0: Bickley and Murata. Social studies. One o'clock is here. Sarah Cazella is here. It's time for some social studies. Hi, Sarah.
1: Hello. How we doing? Good. Good. Are you tired, Vince? Well, I mean, both of you, but especially you, Vince. What do you mean, I especially him? Huh? <laughs> well, I guess you are staying up right and late. I'm, I just feel like, I'm working later than he is at night. Oh, that's true. Okay. I feel like your body would just physically be done after a, a game like that where you're in the arena. And You're just completely drained, is Sarah. I don't.
0: I don't mind telling you. Um, I'm totally exhausted.
1: No, no, hold <laughs> on. I, I'm
2: calling a timeout here. All right, and Bic he, is too. He, he gets done working. He can leave the arena. Plus, he's getting paid extra to work Whoa. the arena by the Suns.
0: <laughs> that doesn't do anything for my, my fatigue level.
2: Okay,
1: but that's I was fair. Here until twelve.
0: That's fair. All right, cutting highlights. Okay. Right. You're
2: eleven years
1: old. <laughs> I'm 23. It's not <laughs> that young. Like he said, eleven. Okay, fair. Everyone's tired. It's not a contest. Everyone's the exact amount of tired. My my bad. Uh no disrespect to But me, the,
0: me, the time difference, I think. There there is something to, you know, yelling like a moron for three hours. Yeah. Which yeah, that Are is. Are you talking that about Jesse? That,
1: that, that,
2: <laughs> that's funny. That's true. That that there is, you're right. There's a lot of that 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 is more taxing than Yeah, I got you. Okay, yeah, whatever. The body would just be whatever. driving. We're Everyone's tired. We're all working hard.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. We're going out. We're
1: working hard. Yeah. I mean, we're professional athletes, basically. You know, we're, we're working just as hard as they are. Yeah, we are. All right. Let's get into last night's game. <laughs> a blowout, like I said in the update. Uh, so after a 17-point win for the Suns in Game 1, followed by a 25-point win in Game 2 last night, how long do you think this series is going to go? Is it going to be a four-game sweep? Will they go five, will they go six, or five. will they get seven?
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be five. I think they're the the Suns will run into uh, one game where the Nuggets have a big run in the second half and the Nuggets win that game. Um, but the Suns are a better team and will find a way to win one game in Denver, close it out here in five. I started at six. I've moved down to
0: five just mm. from the level of domination I've seen. The only question yeah. is whether or not. The Nuggets regroup and win tomorrow, or if this turns into, for me, if this turns into a gentleman's sweep. Yeah. If the Suns win and then the Nuggets win Sunday and head back to Phoenix down 1-3. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It is 64% of our voters going with five games, uh-huh. but a lot of people wrote in the responses and said, I voted for five, but I really think it's going to be four because nobody wants to jinx anything. And I know that we have covered that topic, and you, here we on all
0: the show. know you only jinx something if you officially click on a Twitter poll by answering the question right. the way you actually
2: feel. That's yeah. correct, and it's not only a jinx. Then, it's not a jinx in the right. comments. Only then exactly. do you ping the basketball gods. <laughs> That's
1: right. All right. Ping. That's right. Uh, um, but a few people also responded and said, "I think that the Nuggets will win Game Three tomorrow, but I think it's I think it's Suns the rest of the way after that." So, sixty four percent went with five games, twenty two percent went with four, went with a sweep, twelve percent said a six game series, and then three percent said it will be a seven game series. Wow! I would like to see what you are saying. That it would go seven, but okay.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't get that vibe at all through the first two games, but no, hey.
1: That's all right. Uh, there's always that few percentage points. Um, you guys were just talking about this in the last segment, I believe. The Nuggets coach, Michael Malone, he called his players soft after game one. And then last night, you played that montage, called it an embarrassing performance from top to bottom. He said he felt like the team quit. Jokic disagreed. Just he did not hold back from criticizing his players. We're asking, do you believe that criticism was warranted? Did you see that they quit or do you think that was really their best effort?
0: Um, it was certainly not their best ever. I really don't have a problem with what Michael Malone put out there in terms of how he viewed the game. <laughs> the I just don't, of- it, I well, the extent yeah. or, or the locale of it. I mean, d- is that something you keep behind closed doors? Is
1: that a locker room conversation?
0: Hey guys, I'm really, really disappointed with the effort we put out there. To me, it looked like you quit. I don't know. I know there's psychology yeah. involved in it. I don't I don't know, I don't know what he gets you. out of putting that out publicly. Same. Yeah. Same.
1: yeah. It's interesting because this was just a yes no was he was he in the right to call out his team? 77% said yes. Mm-hmm. Now I wonder if we specifically said publicly versus privately in the question yeah. if that would change yeah. how people yeah. voted. Um, because, yeah, def- it definitely was warranted. But was it warranted publicly? I'm not sure about I that.
2: I don't know. But, but by doing it publicly, the only benefit you could have is if if you sensed as a head coach that you don't think your team thinks or believes they can beat the opponent, which may very well be the case, you stress upon them that, yeah, you can, but not the way you're playing. And the way you're playing is so soft and cowardly, I'm calling you out in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. It, maybe it's just, it's just a desperate maneuver to conjure up some... Level of okay, I guess maybe if we try harder, we can do this and, i don 't know and
0: it might have been yeah. frustration too, because I think he wanted to accomplish those same things by calling them soft after game one and yeah. didn 't right. see any difference in the results,
1: yeah, and then you 've got the mVP disagreeing with you yeah. publicly, yeah, so that doesn 't look very good seventy seven percent though said yes, Michael Malone was in the right to call out his team. Jose Luis Morales said, "He sounds like my high school soccer coach. <laughs> it worked at that level. I don't know if it works in the uh-huh. pro level with grown men." Which is which is totally fair. All right, next question. Earlier in the show in the last hour or so, you you guys said that the Suns remind you of a previous championship team, the 0304 Detroit Pistons. Mm-hmm. Now, for those who didn't know, That catch was more Bicks than me, but yeah. Okay, then then Bick. For those who didn't catch that conversation, why do the Suns remind you of that year's
2: team? They, because they had a starting lineup. They had a starting five and a core of bench players. That team felt the kinship and the camaraderie and the effect, and the effects of it all that I, that I see with this Phoenix Suns team. Mm-hmm. That Pistons team just kept getting better and better and better. And their energy and their togetherness was just too much for anyone to handle. And that was a Lakers team that had Kobe and Shaq. So, yeah. Uh, It it was just one of those triumphs that made people really celebrate the essence of a real team. And that's kind of what I feel with the Suns.
0: Yeah, obviously I don't think it's like a cut and paste type of thing because (laughs) that was a different era of basketball, a different style of basketball that Mm -hmm. they played. But Bix point to the chemistry on that team, the depth, uh, the balance that they had. I mean, I'm looking at their statistics. Their leading scorer that year was Richard Hamilton, who averaged 17.6 points per game. Uh, but they had, you know, a lot of continuity in in the starting lineup. They had key bench guys. Uh, there are similar so similarities. But are there?
1: Yeah. Oh, sorry. Carry on.
0: Uh, no, go ahead.
1: Are there any other NBA teams from the past that this year's Suns team reminds you of?
0: That's such a hard question because I'm so focused on Suns history. This is That's unlike fair. any other Suns team I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree with that.
1: Yeah. Okay, so we asked. Who do this year's sons remind you of? And Tyler Kay is on, on board with you, Dan Bickley. He says, definitely the 0304 Pistons. That's an example of a team championship, if I've ever seen one. Uh, Drewski and a few others said, I don't want to write this, but the San Antonio Spurs championship teams. Great defense, control tempo, and uh, four people said, I hate this, but I love this. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> funny.
0: Um. Here's another one that just popped into my head. The seventy four seventy five Buffalo Braves. You remember oh, that team, Vic? Oh, Macadoo, oh, totally. Randy no.
2: Smith. Randy Smith. Jack Marin. Oh, Jack Marin. Ernie D. Gregorio. Oh, he was great.
1: Uh, Dale Schluter. Okay. Dale Schluter. <laughs> All right, let's quickly squeeze this last question in. Uh, I don't think you've even had a chance to talk about it on the show yet. It mm-hmm. just came down in the last 45 minutes or so. Um, but a 12-team college football playoff could potentially be on its way. It is going to be proposed to the CFP committee um, by its its four-person yeah. working group at some point in the next couple years. Uh, it would be six conference champions, so not necessarily just five power five and then mm-hmm. one group, Um it's just the top-ranked conference champions, and then six at-large bids. Do you like the idea of 12? Okay. Do you want four? All
2: right, here's here's my feeling on it. I desperately want an expanded playoff, so my instinct says, yes, I love this idea, but here's my issue. The six highest-ranked conference champions will be selected, and then the six highest-ranked teams as determined by the CFP. This thing is too dependent on that word rankings. Yeah. Okay? That makes me suspicious. It makes me suspicious that this pro- this format was written by the SEC, the Big Twelve, and Notre Dame. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So I got a lot
1: of suspicion okay. that this is just going to be it, more of the same. More of the, yep, just expanded, quite literally. Yeah. It's funny you say that because Devilman22121, Devil Man two two one two one very catchy Man. says. Oh, that's enough room to get the entire SEC West yeah, into the yeah, playoffs. That's yeah. what I'm
2: talking about. Maybe
1: we can get a Pac-12 team in now. Yeah. yeah. So, so
2: to me, maybe. to me, if you if you go to 12, pick 10 conferences or whatever, nine conferences, mm-hmm. one independent, and a couple of at large bids. There's no nothing wrong with having guaranteed representation for conference champions. So a little more get structure just, is what you're looking for. Get this rankings garbage out of there because now you bring in the sub- subjective. Yeah. Don't like it. Good call. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm for. I. I
0: desperately don't like the four-team system because of the monotony of teams. I, I think it's been damaging to college football. Quite honestly, yeah. I think the, the regular has season been. has been better than the the uh, postseason mm-hmm. for the last five years or so in college football. So I'm for expanding it. But like Bick, I got to see what it looks like before I totally sign off on it. Uh, you know, the saving grace is I don't. There, there's not that number of dominant. Programs that could you could pencil in every year. Sure, there's probably about six of them that you could. Yeah, uh, more is better. Uh, it, uh, you know, and, and they fought it for so long; it's inevitable. I think. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm with you. And okay. it, if it increases ASU's chances of getting into the playoffs. <laughs> there you I, go. I ultimately am for it. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, guys. Social studies every day at one o'clock with uh, Sarah Kazell. You could follow along, get involved on Twitter. Follow us at Bickley underscore Murata. Coming up next. I uh, I did admit I'm tired, and I don't have a more yeah. creative tease, so I'll just go with this. Chris freaking, freaking Paul. Paul. All right. Next, Big Lea Murata, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station
3: suns playoff coverage presented by four peaks kilt lifter the home of phoenix suns playoff basketball 98 7 fm arizona's sports station the suns have a 2-0 series lead suns win Bitley and Murata talk suns nuggets now okc okay, finished second to last yeah. in the western conference this year They were the fourth worst team in the nba You remove Chris Paul. You know, now I look at Phoenix. Yeah, they went A on the bubble, but they didn't make the playoffs last year. I mean, now to finish with the second best record in the NBA. And who's on the team? CP3 was the change that they made. CP3. So it's the level that CP3 can take you to because he makes everybody else around him better. You know, the, the ball doesn't just stick to his hands. He puts you in positions to succeed. And that's what you love about the style in which he plays. Jay
0: Williams from the KJZ Morning Show on ESPN uh, Radio talking about the importance of Chris Paul, how we've seen it everywhere he's gone, uh, obviously what it means in real time for the Phoenix Suns, and, and maybe uh, even a more telling quote from, from last night was Devin Booker saying this mm-hmm. about Chris Paul. I feel like he's
4: back. Um, I mean, we knew when there wasn't anything structural structure uh, structure wrong with it that you know all he needed was time Um, and he got some time I know he's doing around the clock treatment like always and you know you can tell he's back and he's feeling it
0: yeah he certainly looks different and if you look at the way these playoffs have transpired he had a heavy influence on one of those games and it was the biggest swing game in the Lakers series and that was game four when he scored 18 points and had nine assists uh, that was the only double-digit scoring game he had in that yeah. series. The, the The Suns were good enough to navigate their way out of that series without a heavy influence from Chris Paul, or at least mm-hmm. a normal influence from Chris Paul with that shoulder. The last two games, twenty one points, eleven uh, assists. Last night, seventeen uh, and fifteen assists for the for the uh, series so far, Bick. 26 assists to one turnover Well, over his last three
2: games, 38 over two. Okay. He's how, back. How about this? During the five-game winning streak they currently have in the playoffs, it's 53 over four. <laughs> 53 assists, four turnovers over the five-game winning streak. It's uh, Last night was at a level that was just maestro-like, and it was ruthless, and it was cutthroat, and – when when he called when he waved off one pick to call over another pick to take on Michael Porter jr. and then just schooled him i i my jaw almost hit the hit the table at at what he was doing out there and he was feeling it and he was vibing with the crowd and he had the game on a string. all the great point guards seem to have a game on the string they just know exactly where to go mm-hmm. what string to pull when to do it all that kind of stuff. Uh, And then afterwards, I think he imparted a really powerful lesson. He said he remembered one time being in a playoff series going up two zip on the Spurs, and he looked over, and everybody on the Spurs um, bench, starting with Tim Duncan, just kind of had a look on their face, and the Spurs came back and won that series. Mm -hmm. So Chris Paul is relaying this stuff to them to know you, you feel this way now, but everything in this league can change in a heartbeat. Just, I'll just say this: I'm just really happy that if he's that he may have put the shoulder issue pretty much behind him. Yeah, because that would that was not a fair ending to everything he has brought to Phoenix.
0: No, I totally agree. Uh, here was Monty Williams about the game management skills of CP3. Yeah,
4: he's just he he manages games better than anybody that I've ever been around. You know, he just understands once he gets an idea of the offense and, and the guys he's playing with, he has the ability to you know, use his talents to make everybody else better. And then he, he knows when to, you know, take over in moments. So, you know, guys have to make shots, but you know, Chris is one of the rare guards that can put passes right where they need to be. So guys are more effective when they catch the ball um, and his ability to take care of the ball, even when he has it a lot. Um, it's, it's not something I take for granted. Our, our, our team doesn't take it for granted. It's, it's why he's, you know, he's been successful everywhere he's been. Yeah,
0: you know, Michael Malone, the head coach of Denver, said uh, CP3 didn't feel a whole lot of resistance from the Nuggets. Well, yeah, he's a
5: he's a great player. Uh, he's one of the greatest ever to ever do it at that position. Um, I think game one he had 11 assists, only one turnover. Uh, so obviously Chris Paul
0: doesn't see us. He doesn't feel us. Uh, and we're not impacting what he's trying to do in any way, shape or form actually. <laughs> um, and I think you could say that pretty much for the phoenix suns roster there's uh there's more brilliance from for Michael Malone that didn't even make the montage. He doesn't even yeah. feel
2: us yeah. oh, man oh, right he is pissed. oh my goodness yeah, and that's that's i mean but it, but if he's if he calls his team soft and they do nothing about it in game two and now he's I don't know what he's trying to summon up.
0: We'll see. It might be just a, a, mm-hmm. a, an air of desperation. Chris Paul, by the way, uh, after struggling from the free throw line at times in the first round, and struggling for him is missing a couple. He's 6 for 6 from the free throw line, f- uh, 4 from four of 5 from 3-point range in this series so far. Yeah. Huh? I agree with Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. He's back. He's back! I'm back! <laughs> WWE SmackDown is coming back to Phoenix Suns Arena on August 20th. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair now by visiting the contest page at Arizonasports.com. Coming up next, Kyler Murray was at the Suns game last night, wasn't wearing an A's hat, but a recent tweet suggests that still might happen on a regular basis in the future. We'll get into that and more next. It's Pickley and Murata, 987 FM, Arizona Sports Station. <laughs> That's Pickley and Murata on this Thursday. Coming to you live from the auction community studios. Uh, As you heard Sarah say it, there has been change made with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Some had speculated, when you lose 19 games in a row on the road, eh, maybe the manager will get changed. Gambo said, that's not going to happen. There was change today. Uh, The D-backs have parted ways with hitting coach Darnell Coles and assistant hitting coach Eric Hinsky and uh have named Triple A Reno hitting coach Rick Short mm-hmm. and run production coordinator Drew Hedman as co-hitting coaches. Um you know they they got a, a nice low point to start at. The D-backs are hitting 231 as a team yeah. this year. They're coming off a road trip where they got one hit and two hit.
2: Okay. Um this is really I don't this is like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic to uh to to borrow a phrase here. Uh most professional hitters have their own hitting guys. Um, They have a form and a technique that has been born through a lot of individual effort. Hitting coaches and assistant hitting coaches, they are valuable to see and to diagnose when swings get a little hinky or long or broken. But this is just classic scapegoat stuff. I, I don't—nobody d- expect for a minute that the Suns are going to suddenly start winning series. I mean, the, the Diamondbacks are suddenly going to start winning series.
6: The Suns will continue to win series. They are
2: to going win to continue series, in series yeah. <laughs> Stick a fork in Bickley. He is done.
0: I'm right there with you, brother. Uh, the other interesting note, uh, Kyler Murray had a Zoom session today with the media yeah. during a Cardinals minicamp. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury spoke. Robert Alford, Byron Murphy, but Kyler Murray, uh, this was tweeted out, and unfortunately I don't have the the audio of it y- just yet to play for you. But um, it was drawn to my attention by Bob McManaman from AZ Central, who tweeted out about an hour ago, um, just as Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray is leaving the door open to eventually play professional baseball, yeah, the A's presently still hold his rights.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, this came from a media availability. Yeah. Kyler Murray met with the media via Zoom, and he he reiterated again that even though his rookie contract has a no baseball clause in it, he made it very clear that he wants to pursue both sports. And I think this is interesting because this is certainly going to be something of an issue going into his second contract, I would think.
0: Mm, yeah. Um, Stands to reason
2: that 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 might pop up. Right. So, I mean, so I think that's going to be one of his conditions to signing a second deal. Are you going to let me play baseball? And and if the Cardinals don't, well, we'll see where it goes. I mean, he's going to have to perform at his football job first. That's obvious.
0: Without having the context of hearing the whole exchange, it is fair to wonder, leaving the door open to play professional baseball after his football career? simultaneously with his football yeah, career I,
2: that's where it gets sticky yeah yeah i know I, I listen i would think it'd be simultaneous you know i or i mean that uh,
0: that's consistent with what he's said over the years as well i wish i could do both and mm-hmm. we know for the guys that have pulled off that double duty it's a badge of honor to be able yeah. to do that during you know w- you know si- at a simultaneous time in
2: your career mm mm-hmm. mhm um, yeah, so I, I, I don't know what exactly is going on with this. He's, he's mentioned the A's on a couple of different or baseball on a couple of different occasions. He had the A's hat at a Suns game at one point in time mm-hmm. and he's sending obvious messages to somebody about something. Um, I, I would really just kind of hope that it, at some point in time Kyler Murray would be cognizant of the fact that he has got to get to another level as an NFL quarterback. And then maybe the Cardinals will be willing to have that discussion with them, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I I think that's all of this remains to be seen because as Dave Pash said, as we've all said, you can you can debate any number of things with this roster and this team and this defense and are they going to be really good and and are they assuming too much with these linebackers? None of it matters if Kyler Murray becomes a top five quarterback in the NFL. If Kyler Murray takes another big step this year and plays the way he did pre-shoulder injury, he's going to take everybody along for the ride. And if he does that, he's going to be a star. And if he does that, he's going to have leverage. And he'll be able to maybe reshape this story, this baseball narrative that he will not let go. Mm-hmm. The thing that, that I the only reason that gives me pause with this story, and, I, and I'm not looking to pick nits on Kyler Murray, the, the thing that gives me pause is that Generally, the position of quarterback is not only so overwhelming, but so everything an elite quarterback wants in his life that there's no room for anything else. And and more to the point, there's no desire for anything else. We've had two sport athletes in the past. Have there, has one ever been an NFL quarterback? Deion Sanders, no. Bo Jackson, no. Brian Jordan, no. Um...
0: Russell Wilson dabbled. Maybe but that was okay. during spring. Okay, I
2: yeah. have to really rack I, my brain. I just, I, I don't know. I just, I think that it, it just, it seems a little bit odd to me that the position of quarterback doesn't give Kyler Murray enough satisfaction that he can put baseball completely to the side at the moment. Whatever, it's just interesting to me. It's everybody's different. Yeah, but that's the way it strikes me. Uh,
0: yesterday, DeAndre Hopkins, receiver for the Arizona Cardinals, he had a Zoom session from uh, minicamp, and he uh, was asked about, "Hey, what w- with you, Kyler Murray, together, what can this offense look like in year 2 I've only had
5: two quarterbacks that I've had a chance to play with more than two years, and uh, obviously, you know, this Deshaun and Kyler, um, and you know, I've had over like thirteen some quarterbacks. So obviously, you know, each each. Each year, it gets better uh, with chemistry and us just getting to know each other and uh, you know how we play. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, Kyler is amazing. Uh, he can do a lot of things, not just with his arm but with his feet. So you know, for me to, to be able to play with someone like that in the prime of his career, you know, I'm just hoping I can come in and um, you know make him better as well. Yeah,
0: DeAndre Hopkins also was asked about and this. This kind of went uh, somewhat viral. Mm-hmm. His quote about uh, being traded for second rounders it was asked about. What does it mean to you that a, a wide receiver of your quality, a wide receiver of the quality of Julio Jones, were both traded for second-rounders? Here was a hop on, on that
5: subject. They would not worth first-round picks, that the first-round picks are are bad. And that's, that's basically what uh, <laughs> I would like to see, a first-round pick that could do what Julio and myself do. But, you know... Guys are pretty good. You know, the receiver core, uh receiver groups, you know, coming out of college, they're a little bit more advanced than I was back in my days, even though I only had, like, you know, however many touchdowns, 15 or so touchdowns. But, uh, you know, you got guys like, you know, Justin Jefferson who who came in balling as a rookie. So, uh, you know, there's definitely some guys that that can do what Julio and myself do. But um, I'm surprised, shoot, Julio. I mean, I know, you know, I was, I was only coming off a of first-team All-Pro, you know, so I, I kind of figured I might only go for a second round, but I was surprised a guy like Julio would only go for a second rounder.
2: He is so right on the money about that. It it speaks to the absurd value the NFL places on draft picks. Uh-huh. It's absurd. Now, maybe it wouldn't be if the bust rate wasn't so high. But, but it is so it high. Is At so every high. position, it's high. At every single position, and yet you, you, you get – Viable, legitimate superstars being traded for second round and first round draft picks. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. Well, I I mean, I will say this, and this is
0: somewhat in defense of, of DeAndre Hopkins. We all marveled at the fact that, wow, the Cardinals got him and didn't have to give up a first round pick. That's negligence on the other side. I think at this point, DeAndre Hopkins has more in the tank and more to offer a football team than Julio Jones does. Not to say that Julio Jones is washed, I, yeah, but I,
2: but DeAndre Hopkins is,
0: yeah, you know, unequivocally a top two, three receiver in the league. Julio Jones has got to fight his way to get back into that. Mix.
2: Okay, I, I again, I'm going to respectfully disagree. I, I I think Julio Jones is still all of that and still marginally better than DeAndre Hopkins. That's just my, and I'm sure people are going to love hearing that. But look, Julio Jones is flat out monstrous. And I, I I do think there's something to be said for that. He's going to have to come back and show it this year. Yeah. Um. But but I think the larger point is is also proof that salaries get sideways on teams and teams get sideways with their salary cap because of bus and all that that they end up having to pawn off these great players for draft capital just to free themselves of X amount of dollars. And th- it. That's a bad place to be in as a football franchise mm-hmm. when you when you have to chop off a Julio Jones because of cap implications or you know that kind of stuff. Yep. That's bad management.
0: Uh, here's another one from DeAndre Hopkins session yesterday. Uh, his reaction when he found out the Cardinals were getting J.J. Watt. J.J.
5: obviously is one of my my good buddies in the NFL, not just you know on the field but off the field. Also, he's somebody I respect and respect since I, I stepped in the building. He's always Welcome me with open arms. From the first day I came to Houston, he was like a big brother to me and still is to this day. So we, once I heard that, that we was getting J.J., obviously it was a, a lot of excitement in my house because a lot of my family seen him play and we know what he can do. And just bringing that, 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 that kind of tenacity that he plays with to this team, to this defense, you already have guys like Buddha Baker and Chandler over there, but adding J.J. I think is a different dynamic.
0: I uh, I'm not gonna lie about it. I am very much wrapped up in what the Suns are doing, but mm-hmm. looking to the future, to later this summer and into the fall, I can't wait to watch JJ J. Watt play football. Yeah, I mean I, he's a player that uh, you know. I don't watch every Houston Texans game. I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you and say mm-hmm. that I do. But when you watch him t- play at any extent, you watch the highlights of him. You just marvel at what he's able to do. So, to be able to watch that, much like, you know, we all appreciated Chris Paul before he got to town, but to watch him every day, that appreciation goes through the roof. Yeah. I, I'm kind of expecting that same experience with J.J. Watt this fall.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I agree with that. I, I hope if he's still the impact player, that uh, cl- if he's anywhere near close to the guy he once was, mm-hmm. watching him opposite Chandler Jones is going to be very, very cool.
0: WWE SmackDown is coming back to Phoenix Suns Arena on August 20th. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10, but you can win a pair now by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Coming up next, Suns up 2-0 on the Denver Nuggets. We'll discuss Game 2. Look ahead to Game 3. We have crosstalk with Burns and Gambo. Right up ahead, it's Bickley and Murata, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
3: Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kilt Lifter. Suns playoff crosstalk. Burns and Gambo join Bickley and Murata to talk Suns playoffs.
4: I mean, we're just trying to play the right way and for each other. Um, We try to play hard every single night. That's who we are, that's our DNA. Our guys share the ball. I think the thing that's really cool to watch is guys making plays for each other but th- this is playoff basketball and, and that's that's how we have to play for us to be successful and we know um, if we play hard, share the ball and defend we, we give ourselves the chance to win. I'm, I'm grateful for you know getting two wins at home now we got to get ready for a tough challenge on the road. Monty Williams
0: ever even keeled after a last night's Game 2 win over the uh, Denver Nuggets, 123-98, talking about the DNA of the team, which has become increasingly defense, and he talked about sharing the ball, playing for each other, certainly all those things on display last night at Phoenix Suns Arena as the Suns take the 2-0 series lead. Uh, here joining Bur- uh, Bickley and Marotta right now, they're coming up next at 2 o'clock, 2-6, t- Burns and Gambo join us uh, on Boys. what was a raucous occasion again last night in downtown Phoenix. Man, it's just... Gambo, did you take your shirt off at any point during last night's game?
6: No, but but that kid would you know, very
3: much reminded me of a young day Burns. I mean,
6: <laughs> I did. Like, I picture that being a young day Burns.
3: <laughs> Woo! I'll tell you wow. this. I'll tell you right now, boys. He's not wrong. That yeah. that's I, mean, slightly, I slightly pudgy, very yeah. enthusiastic. Uh, loves enthusiastic. His Suns. Loves his Suns. A little pudgy, sure. I, I could, that kid was probably what ten years old. Probably. I could I could see me circa nineteen eighty one, looking like that and maybe even doing something like that at a uh, Suns game. Wasn't that yeah.
2: just the perfect symbolism, though? Just a little kid to dive. <laughs> And, in, then, and uh, then
3: the grandma behind oh, him who was losing her oh, mind, which is man. really the icing on the cake of that video with the laugh she had on I, her face. I, I
6: don't know how many people you guys talked to out of state. I'm I'm in a group chat with a lot of my friends that are living in New York and Florida. And, man, they just uh, – uh, all I hear is about it, this crowd. Oh, my God, that crowd. That crowd. What's it like? What's it like? You're at the – so many people are just commenting on this crowd. Like It's not just like the national guys like Stephen A. Smith and Kendrick Perkins. Man, I mean, my, all my friends that I'm in group chats with yeah. are all texting me about the crowd.
0: It's uh, It's been amazing, and we've spent a lot of time, all of us have spent a lot of time in that arena during the postseason. But I honestly think, and I know this isn't basketball related, we'll get into it. When that kid took his shirt off last night it was about the loudest I've heard that crowd get. It was not. I mean, the players stepped out of the huddle to yeah. see what was going yeah, on. They, and they their, stopped listening to Monty. Yeah, Chris they Paul's did. like, "Hey, get get back in the huddle, Chris."
6: <laughs> well, game one they were behind. Yes, and so when the crowd kind of elevated them to take the lead, to get back in the game, to take the lead. Yesterday, they the Suns just bludgeoned them. Yesterday, they bludgeoned them. So they wouldn't they. The crowd was great last night. They were they were really the crowd was great again. Yeah. But that little extra umph wasn't needed to push the Suns over the top because they were blowing them out. Burnsy, Burns, what impressed
0: you the most about uh, the Suns' performance last night?
3: Oh gosh, Dario. Um, no, it wasn't Dario. Um, <laughs> 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 and, and, although hey, the, we're all happy he showed up, though. The, the number of tweets I continue to get about Dario, good or bad, still just blows me away. I do I do hear from it a lot. I. I I think it was, man, I hate to keep, well, God, how can you not say Chris Paul? How, yeah. how can you how can you not have 17 assists and no turnovers? How can you put, was it 38 assists and three turnovers in his last three games, mm-hmm. if I'm going off the top of my head? I don't know how you can not pick him, but I'll tell you, a close runner-up is DeAndre Ayton and how he managed himself after those two That's fouls. And they survived in the brief moment when Dario came in, and credit to him for playing the way he did. But for and to play the rest of that game and never even get a whiff of a foul, and I heard you guys coming in, I thought it was great that he stood up to Chris Paul and the yeah. guys in the huddle yep. a little bit, hey, help me out, dude. You know, like it, yeah, I'm, And that he was yelling back at them. Yeah. What, what did Monty call it? Emotional growth? I think you really saw it on display last night from DA, big time.
0: Yeah, and, and that first one he picked up, too, that could be a, a bad trendsetter because it was kind of a ticky-tack away from the basket foul when he got tangled up with Compazzo. And uh, watching the replay, a lot of guys down at the table were like, nah, eh, that's not much of a foul. But he responded really well. and And again... It wasn't a Nikola Jokic domination, Gambo. He he held his own you again know, with the MVP. You
6: know we're going to talk about this. To me, one of the one of, one of the big factors isn't what the Suns are doing, what Paul's doing, what the A's doing. It's it's what Denver's not doing. Mm-hmm. You know they beat a very dysfunctional Portland team, yes. and I th- I think so. We kind of like really didn't you know, really didn't think much of it. The Denver and I said this to Burns the other day. They're the worst team left in the playoffs. They're the worst team in the playoffs. I agree. I mean, their stu- two starting guards should be your fourth and fifth best yeah, guard, not your first point. or second or third. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is, is killing that team. He's killing them. I mean, he is absolutely. Uh, they- the guys hate playing with him. They hate playing with him. He doesn't play any defense. He doesn't pass the ball. He jacks up terrible shots. So that that team is, you know, I don't know that they're going to be able to respond and win a game in Denver. I don't. But to me, a lot of it is what they're not doing. Because then they, they look awful. Like that's not a good basketball team. Atlanta is better than them. Atlanta would beat them in a series. Oh, they I, really would. I agree with that. The, yeah. Denver is the worst team left in the playoffs. But we don't we don't really think about it because they got by Portland. But Portland's a very very dysfunctional organization.
2: Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what Denver does with with their head coach's criticism. Michael Malone. I mean, that was you talk about doubling down. Oh yeah. From game one to game two, it was and, more and than doubling. And, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you're right. That's more like quadrupling. <laughs>
3: Yeah, those are, those are words – I mean, look, we've all – collectively in this room, we've all been doing this a long, long time, right? Yeah. Those are like third-rail, dirty words yep. for a coach to use for anybody within the walls and the halls of power of any organization in any sport. Soft? Quit? Mm-hmm. I mean, those are – those are nasty nasty words to use and and I don't know if it's going to is he trying to kick him in the butt or is it going to go the other way cuz we saw what Jokic said afterwards no I, we didn't quit I didn't quit no he's already starting to single himself out from everybody else I don't know I'll be I'll be curious to see if those words unite or divide Well yeah, how many how many
6: coaches have publicly embarrassed a team like that yeah. I mean Twice. it
3: happens but Twice. I mean, I don't
6: know. How much are they listening? Well, he's you know? gone to Look, that
0: card three times in eight playoff games. I think it's a sign of a desperate coach that knows what you said, Gambo, that they're not. They're, I done. Mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're done. They're done. They're at the end of the rope, and he's trying to milk anything he can out of them.
3: At, at this point, I, I, I think I said this to Gambo last night, even if Jokic goes off Friday for 40, is that team capable of 70 more points? 80 more points? doesn't the, look like it. It doesn't seem. And, I, and, and his I, spirit seems shattered. I'm not, not going to lie. It's not an original thought. I, I saw that on social media, but I thought it was a really good one last night. Even if Jokic goes crazy, mm-hmm. I don't know if that team, if it's there for for them to be able to provide whatever else is needed yeah, to put the up point. the 120, the Suns are probably going to score against them. Well,
0: because some guys that played really well in the first round, Austin Rivers played well in the first round. He's been not non-existent. Monte Morris has just been... Dreadful, which is surprising to see. I've always been a fan of his game, and there were people raving about him in the in that first round series. But you know, the Suns' backcourt has dominated to the degree they need to dominate to make this a short series. And i I, I don't see much change. What did I play I think,
6: Friday, Sunday? Yeah. Friday, Sunday. I think, I think Monday. The Nuggets, we're talking
0: about a sweep. I hope you're right. I, yeah. I, you know, I expect the Nuggets to show some life at least tomorrow. We'll see where it goes from there. But this has been this has been one sided as one sided
3: gets. The first half will decide. Whether it's a sweep tomorrow. Yep. If the Suns survive, the punch is coming. Uh, Oh, yeah. They're going to
2: have a run at some point. They're
3: going to have a run. They're going to punch the Suns in the mouth probably tomorrow after Jokic gets his MVP and there's that emotional surge. But, yeah, if they survive that, I think they'll sweep.
0: Yeah, I know you guys are going to continue to talk Suns nuggets. Suns up 2-0. Thanks to our guest today, Kellen Olsen, Tim Bontemps from ESPN. Thanks to you for hanging out. We'll catch you tomorrow at 10. These guys
3: are up next here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. We'll see you.